This is the Joe and Amber podcast. 99% of the time, I have the best job in the world. This ain't part of that 99%, Joe. It's just not. When I have to show up the next day and spend the entire show talking about the heartbreak I suffered the night before, it sucks a little bit. Let me ask you a question based on something you said earlier in the show. As bad as this is, and it is tough to go through, the idea that it was Denver that beat you, a relatively likable team, a fan base that had never won a championship, you know, all that stuff. You laid it out that it could have been a lot worse. It got me thinking, who would have been the worst to lose to? Like, who are the absolute worst fan bases to lose to? As a Miami fan, what would have been worse? LeBron, the Warriors. I know you're not a, a very big Warriors fan. Right. I, I can't stand the Warriors. Uh, I want that dynasty to be over. I'm just tired of them. And the whole likability of Steph Curry, with all the bleep talking he does, and everybody just gives him a pass on it because he seems likable over the years, whatever. I, he, it became a team that I went from originally liking to hating, like a lot of dynasties, right? So that would be a bad one because I want that era to be over. I'm not that emotional about the Warriors, though. Losing to the Lakers in 2020 super sucked. Now, given it was under weird circumstances in the bubble, but that sucked because it gave LeBron a title at LA, something I didn't want LeBron really to accomplish. I have a weird relationship with LeBron, though, because obviously I love LeBron for what he did in those years in Miami. And then I had a lot of anger towards LeBron for leaving and going and winning a title in Cleveland. I didn't necessarily want him to have the success, but I certainly didn't want the success in LA to come at our expense. So that sucked. That sucked worse than this Nuggets team. But that's that's also already been done. That's messed up that that guy brought you multiple titles and then you you rank him as one of the worst people to lose to. Like there are plenty of people that have done nothing for you. And that's a guy that's done a lot for you. It's completely reasonable. Like, like, you know, it's like an ex-boyfriend. You know, I've got some ex-boyfriends that were great. We had a great run while we had the great run. I don't want you to go do better in life than me. Like that whole thing. Like, oh, I hope you're all happy. I want you to be happy in life. Don't get me wrong. It does but I don't not need to be like knocking it. it out of the park. And it no, happy. Like happy, satisfied, have a nice little life. She doesn't need to be better than me, whoever you end up having that nice little life with, okay? We don't need to eclipse Amber Wilson with whoever we end up settling down with the future. That's how I feel here. We had a hell of a run, me and LeBron, during those years that he was in Miami. I don't need him to go do it better in Cleveland and end the drought there or go do it in Los Angeles. It's, who needs to see that in their life? What? Lots, of, lots of process there. Like, no, no, I'm not rooting against my exes, but also I want them to do terribly. But, you know, I don't want them to die. If they did, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Again, but if I they wish, didn't. I wish them well, if any geez. of them are listening. I just don't want her to be better than me, you know? Shoot, well, shoot, shoot down you know, a little bit. You're doing all bit. right yourself. Jeez. Joe and Amber's presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Commercial Insurance flexes to fit your business needs from quick repairs to adjustable coverages and even payment options. Progressive Commercial makes it easy to get what you need. Quote today in as little as six minutes at progressivecommercial.com. LeBron has not done it better since he lost, since he left the heat rather, because he's only done it one and one in each place he has visited since. I would not want him to have added to 
his time in Los Angeles with another ring. So that one would have been more annoying than losing to the Nuggets. I don't know. I mean, it's weird when you're talking out of conference, like obviously in the East. I mean, forget about it. There's multiple teams in the East that I hate. But when you're talking about actually making it to an NBA finals, losing to a team in the Western Conference, not that many teams in the West that I hate, frankly. The Denver Nuggets, though, them ending their drought. I do think that portion of this story makes it a little bit easier. They've waited a really long time. That's a very good fan base. They've waited a really long time for that championship. How about the run Stan Kroenke's on? He owns the Rams. He just got a Super Bowl. He owns the Avalanche. They won the Stanley Cup final last year. He owns the Nuggets. He just got an NBA title. And I believe there's another team in, I don't want to say minor league baseball, but maybe it's soccer, lacrosse. I apologize for not having this, that he won the title with as well. Like, Kroenke's on a heater right now, an absolute heater. And you see him when he does interviews, it's amazing. He leans all the way in. It's like he doesn't realize the microphone is there for him to speak into. He leans his head right past the microphone, right into the reporter's ear. Because I can relate to that. Old guys like myself, we can't hear anything. And our way to response is to respond is not to speak into your microphone. It's to get as close as we can and yell in your face yes. because we have to believe we're getting our point across. He was yelling into Lisa Salter's ear <laughs> at that uh, championship celebration there for the Denver Nuggets. It has been a good time. Do you want your exes to do better than you, Joe? Is that a weird take? Like you want your exes to do better than you? I know we're supposed to be talking about I, the future of the Miami Heat right weird. now, but this is going to sound weird. But I don't actually have any exes. They all think we're still together. I just oh, drift off yeah. into the sunset. That's that's the ends. way to do it. That must uh, <laughs> please your wife tremendously. I really hope she did not hear that. That would not go over well. <laughs> that would be very, that's going to be a conversation when you get home. Fortunately, I don't think either of our spouses bother to tune in no, to our they've show. They've got better things to do. Very supportive here of us on Joe and Amber. We do appreciate you all tuning in, though, to Joe and Amber here on ESPN Radio. Andre Iguodala, he tunes in to a show called Greeny. At least he was on it earlier today. The Warriors forward and forward four-time NBA champ things that this will not be the last time that we see Jimmy Butler in this version of the Miami Heat in the finals. But you got to give a lot of credit, you know, being, I don't know what, a minute away from not even being in the playoffs to making it to the finals. Um, it, I think it says a lot about them. And they've dealt with a lot of adversity. Miami will keep retooling and keep tinkering and they'll continue to make big swings back into the finals. After over and over and over, they just keep proving it's wrong. They're going to keep making runs at it. I I am hopeful, obviously, as a Heat fan because of this franchise as a whole. I'm hopeful because even though Jimmy Butler disappeared there, and I do think that there might be more going on with Jimmy, who knows? He certainly disappeared. This was not a good series for Jimmy Butler, and he does deserve some criticism because even if he's got the ankle injury, it's not an excuse. He's still out there playing. You saw him. He showed up to those last three minutes of Game 5. If you can show up to the last three minutes, hey, buddy, maybe show up 10 minutes before that because we desperately needed you. But I do believe in him. Certainly the Heat would not have been there without Jimmy Butler and his monster performances in the first couple series in particular in this Eastern Conference run. But even more than Jimmy, you believe in the franchise as a whole. You believe in the idea of them retooling. They've done it time and time again, Joe, and there's no reason to count them out now. Yeah, he Butler gets a pass. I know he didn't play great in the finals. He's clearly playing hurt. I mean, his numbers deteriorated throughout the course of the postseason. He had a lot on his shoulders. He was the leader of the team. He got everyone fired up. He made big plays in big spots. 
even if he had played huge in this series, is Miami still taking four out of seven? Let's ask ourselves that. The Heat were outgunned. And that's not necessarily to knock the Heat. A lot of teams would have been outgunned by this Nuggets team. You can't stop Jokic. All right? You can't stop him. His floor. There are guys that have a floor like Clay Thompson, for example, and I love Clay Thompson as much as any player in the NBA. But Clay can have a really hot 35 point night, and then Clay can have one of the worst shooting nights you've ever seen in your entire life. That doesn't happen to Jokic. He has an extremely high floor. His off nights are still 20 plus with a bunch of rebounds and a bunch of assists. So you're not stopping him. Murray can have an off night, but if you're trying to stop both of them, then you got to worry about Aaron Gordon, who stepped in. They, they're a worthy champion, they have a lot of weapons at their disposal. Well, Michael Porter Jr. finally showed up in that series last night as well. So credit to him because he showed up when it mattered most there for the Nuggets. I mean, Jokic and Murray had off nights last night. That's the reality of it. They had off nights last night, at least as off as you can get. I mean, an off night for Jokic, 28 points, 16 rebounds, only four assists, though. So it's an off night, technically, for Jokic. And yet the Heat just didn't have the offense to keep up with it all whatsoever. I would imagine that they will be looking this offseason to see if there is a way to correct that moving forward. But even if they don't, I mean, it's been remarkable that they've been in two NBA finals here over the last four years. Coming up next, is there a problem in Buffalo? We will get into the NFL. Joe and Amber is on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We've been talking a lot of NBA. Certainly we've been talking a lot of NBA for weeks now, but there are still... Some interesting things happening in the NFL. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. A very interesting situation with the Buffalo Bills. Coach Sean McDermott said to the press today that Stefan Diggs is not at the team's mandatory minicamp. Now, Stefan Diggs' agent had a different story entirely and said he was. Let's start with Sean McDermott, the Bills head coach. 
Steph is not here. Everybody else is here at the current time. How concerned are you about that? Oh, very concerned. Yeah, very concerned. I'm not going to get into and listen. I respect everyone's everyone's questions and what they want to know about our team. Right now, I'm just I'm not going to get into into that anymore. So we'll talk about practice. Happy to do that. Happy to answer those questions, and we'll move forward from there. So he doesn't want to get into anything more there, Joe. But he was very clearly willing to make the press aware <laughs> that he was concerned that Stefan Diggs wasn't there. So if the Bills were a five, six win team, like we remember from five, six, seven years ago, and they were trying to take the step to like, you know, eight or nine win team, maybe threaten for a wild card spot, this wouldn't be much of a story. Whatever, guy holding out, they'll try to figure it out. There's plenty of time between now and training camp opening and the start of the season. But the Bills aren't a five or six win team. The Bills are trying to win a Super Bowl. If you're going to win a Super Bowl, you got to be buttoned up. You got to be organized. You got to pay attention to the details. That doesn't mean Stefan Diggs should be happy. But what that means is that this story shouldn't be as weird as it is. McDermott says he's not there. Then there's a report from Diggs's agent that he is in Buffalo. Then I believe McDermott comes out later and says, well, yeah, he's here, but he's not at practice. It shouldn't take that much to get this message across. You should be focused on your camp. You should be focused on improving. You should be focused on the guys who are there. He's not there, so be it. But there shouldn't be so many mixed messages here in terms of whether or not the guy is in Buffalo. That's a bad sign to me. You got to be more organized than that. You got to be able to figure out what you're doing and communicate it to the media or stiff arm them and move on. And for Diggs, he's a huge part of that offense. 156 targets last season, tied for fourth most in the NFL. He accounted for 30% of Josh Allen's completions, 33% of his passing yards, 31% of his passing touchdowns. If he's not going to be there this year, you need a plan B in a hurry. And I think we both know who that probably is. Yeah, I mean, you are not winning a Super Bowl without Stefan Diggs if you look at the current makeup, anyways, of that wide Correct. receiver room. No disrespect to Gabe, uh, Davis and Trent Sherfield and the other guys in that room, but let's be ve- real. Stefan Diggs is the number one, and Josh Allen certainly needs his number one guy. But this story did go from bad to worse by just sort of the back, by not, it felt like the backtrack there from the Bills, right? Where you have McDermott, he doesn't just say, hey, he's not here, let's move on. Like you suggested, maybe he should have said, he's not here, it is what it is, let's move forward. He said, he's not here, I'm quote unquote, very concerned. So obviously that's going to raise alarms. But then you have Diggs' agent, Adisa Bakari, telling our very own Adam Schefter that, in fact, his client is in Buffalo. He's been there since yesterday morning, according to Diggs' agent. He said Diggs took his physical, met with Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, the GM, the past couple days, and quote-unquote, Diggs will be there for the entirety of minicamp. So that's what's coming out of Stefan Diggs' camp, that he is there. He's meeting with everybody including Sean McDermott. So then the Bills come out and they confirm after practice today that, in fact, Diggs is here. He is here. He was at the team facilities on Monday and Tuesday, just like Diggs' agent said. However, he left before practice today. And so that's when you then get the comments from Sean McDermott, well, he's not here, I'm concerned. So now it's weird because apparently he is there and Sean McDermott originally made it sound like he's not there, even though Diggs' agent is telling us that they actually met. 
All of this feels like a lot of drama that should be not happening at this point in the offseason. We are not that far removed. It was a year ago last April, a year ago last April, that Diggs and the Bills came to terms on a four-year extension worth $104 million. So it's hard to think that this is financially related. I don't know. Maybe he's one of these guys that just doesn't want to go through the workouts. And we see that every year. Certain guys, eh, there's an issue, but they show up a couple weeks later because they don't want to go through the practices. Or maybe they're there and there's a hamstring injury, so it keeps them going through the workout. But for McDermott to come out and say how concerned he is, it's got to be something interesting because a $104 million four-year extension just last year, to think it would be money, I mean, to think finances were driving this, I don't know. That would be a little bit alarming that you just gave him the bag and he's already upset a year later. I can't imagine it has anything to do with finances. Now, because he just signed that deal, if you were to try to trade him now because he's disgruntled or unhappy or holding out, the Bills would incur a significant dead hat cap hit, including $13.2 million this year. So it's obvious that when Diggs signs that extension with Buffalo, both Buffalo and Stefan Diggs think that he's going to be a Buffalo Bill for many more years, and that was the intention. I can't imagine this is about money, but what you did see is you did see him and Josh Allen at that final game there during the season. You saw the tension between them two on the sideline where maybe there's some issue there. There's some disconnect between Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. That was that Bengals game in January where they were caught on the sidelines together. It seemed like Stefan Diggs was unhappy with Josh Allen. Now, Josh Allen in practice today had a very different version of events. Here's the Bills quarterback. Oh, I know internally we're, we're working on some things, um, not football related, but, you know, Steph, he's my guy. Excuse me, I love him. He's, he's a brother of mine. You know, this does not work, what we're doing here without him. You know, we, we, we wish he was in here today and was out there on the field with us, and that's that's not the case, but I've got his back no matter what. He's saying all the right things. It can't feel good if you're Josh Allen, if Stephon Diggs isn't showing up there. Well, he's the face of this thing. He's the face of it. He's going to have to answer all these questions at every single turn, whether it relates to him or not. I thought it was also telling that Von Miller, who was only with the team just last year for the first year but didn't even make it the whole year because he got hurt, Miller's even quoted as saying that he expected him to be at minicamp and that he was a bit surprised, which that's a bit telling because if all these guys are thinking, yeah, we we thought you were going to be here, that feels like amongst the group, it's a surprise he's not there, and it's not a good surprise. Clearly, there's something going on behind the scenes. So hopefully, whatever it is for Buffalo, they get it all figured out. They certainly need to get it all figured out. Yeah, Von Miller said, everybody will be here. I haven't been told otherwise. And certainly he expected Stefan Diggs to be at minicamp. He's not in terms of practice, even though he is reportedly around the facility. Stefan Diggs left that game against the Bengals, not just frustrated with his quarterback, but also refused to talk to the media. Maybe that frustration has carried over now as we head into the next NFL. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Game five of the Stanley Cup playoffs. You heard it there on the Sports Center update. Still scoreless right now in the first, Joe. Still scoreless in the first, but a great nugget at a T Mobile Arena tonight. Cassidy, the head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights, sent Jonathan Marsha Show, Riley Smith, William Carlson, Braden McNabb, and Shea Theodore out as his starting five 
for the first shift tonight. Anyone who follows the Knights knows those are five original Golden Knights from when the team started five seasons ago. This is their sixth season. These guys were all part of the original group. So Cassidy starting five original Golden Knights tonight, no matter how it plays out, that's just a fantastic fantastic way to start that game. I did see somebody holding up a sign in Vegas. I've waited six long years for yeah. this. <laughs> I mean, it's quite a different story than the Denver Nuggets story if the Golden Knights are able to win this thing. We'll see if the Florida Panthers, though, can try to make this series a little bit interesting. Let's sound on, sound off. They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber. There's been a lot of talk about the aesthetics of Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets and their run to the NBA title this year. They're not interesting. Jokic, some will say, has no personality. The way that he plays the game, some people think, is a little bit boring. But we did see some of Jokic's personality last night. He is maybe unintentionally hilarious, but he certainly is hilarious. Here's the finals MVP after the game. You said you were surprised that you didn't feel more. So I'm curious what you are feeling right now and if you're looking forward to a parade coming up in Denver. When is parade? When is parade? Thursday. No. I need to go home. <laughs> okay. James Steele. Yeah, Joe, so what did you think about uh, Jokic's reaction to you know the parade being on Thursday? I like the fact that he's honest. I like the fact that he's himself. I like the fact that he's not trying to be someone that we should all want him to be or force him into being. He is who he is. He showed up. He balled out. Now he wants to go home, and that's understandable. It's a long season. He played extraordinarily well. If he wants to chill, if this is who he is, who are we to criticize? We always, always want to do this to everybody. We want to knock everybody at every single turn. If we try looking at things a different way, maybe, just maybe, we'll find a little bit more peace and happiness in our own lives. It's hilarious. I think that it adds to the whole mystique of Jokic, the fact that he cares so little. I mean, we've never seen a finals MVP not care about winning an NBA finals, and it feels like he doesn't care. Like, it feels like he's that great somehow without the same level of passion that everybody else seems to have about winning that award. Now, maybe this is just his personality, and maybe he does actually through and through care about it so, so much, and and we're just not going to get that emotion out of him. Who knows? But it's funny that it seems like he doesn't care about an NBA title. Do you think it's annoying to other players, though, Joe, I wonder? Because the only thing I could imagine is in this business, right? Like, you and I are in a very, very competitive, very tough business. If somebody at the top of the business, like Stephen A. Smith or or Greeny, if those guys didn't care, like they're getting everything, they're on every show on ESPN, they get insane money, and if they didn't care about getting said whatever position, would you and I be annoyed because we don't get those same opportunities and we care so much? Are we sure he doesn't care, or do you just assume because the way he acts towards it that he doesn't care. Right. Well, he if, he can act, care if they plenty. acted like they didn't care, if they acted like they didn't care, if they were like, meh, meh, whatever. I don't know. Would I can take annoying? it up with my, I'll take it up with my close know. personal friend, Stephen A. Smith on Thursday. <laughs> of course He's, you will. He certainly didn't care about the parade. That, that's yeah. He is not interested in that parade 
at all. That's for sure. I just think he's he's different than what we're used to seeing in that spot. We're used to seeing crying and screaming and celebrating and LeBron telling us that he wants his damn respect. And it's odd. It just becomes odd to us, the loud, obnoxious Americans, when someone else shows up and is like, yeah, it's cool. I just, you know, I want to go home. I'm done. Work's over. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's that's not how we do things here, sir. That's going to be considered odd for us. No, it's all right. He is who he is. It, it's it's a job to him. That's what it seemed like. It's a job to him, not the undying passion that maybe we think typically of sports. But it's refreshing to see a guy who wants to be home and also very, very obviously loves his family so much. The aesthetic conversation surrounding Jokic continued on first take this morning with J.J. Redick and Joe's close personal friend, <laughs> Stephen A. Smith, comparing the Nuggets superstar with another dominant big man. Me personally, I'm a Shaq guy in his prime. I know that I throw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on the Mount Rushmore, but that's resume. But I think about Shaq in his prime, and I think about the level of domination as a big man, and that's just my preference. But I look at Jokic and the numbers, I can't refute the numbers. I, I just can't. There's no denying that, and I'll give him credit for that. So to answer just the question, my, to answer the competition. actual question, though, you're saying he is the most skilled big man, but that you want to change the conversation to make it about dominance. Because I think I, I want to bring this up. Well, I, no, no, no. We had this conversation last week, and I just want to make a point. There's a lot of confusion to me. I believe this. There's a lot of confusion to me with aesthetics versus effectiveness when you talk about dominance. Because you comparing Shaq and Jokic skill-wise, that's not even a fair comparison for Shaq. Like, Jokic has him in spades. Like, that's not even a thing. So then you want to talk about dominance, and I think... The physicality of Shaquille O'Neal, right, he was one of one. Jokic dominates the game as well, just in a very different way. And it's aesthetics. It's not about effectiveness. So your thing with Shaq is like, oh, he's so dominant. Well, so is Jokic. Yeah, so Stephen A. again, that's Joe's close personal friend, says he prefers Shaq. J.J. Reddick says Jokic is just as dominant as Shaq, just different. Amber, would you rather have Jokic or prime Shaq? Well, he's not as dominant defensively as Shaq, but he's more dominant because he's far more skilled offensively than Shaq was, right? I mean, Shaq was the traditional big man that we think of, whereas Jokic is doing things at almost seven feet tall that was unimaginable 20 years ago, the skills he possesses. No, I think Jokic, I don't want to be that person because what we tend to do in these situations, Joe, is we tend to be the people that go with whatever our era was, right? Like we go with our age, the players that we saw when we were growing up, we always have this idea of that they were better than today's players that we're witnessing well into our adult years. I don't want to be that person. Jokic is absolutely phenomenal. He's more skilled. So no, I'm not willing to have that conversation. I'll just sound old. I'll just sound like I'm dating myself. And the only reason I would even choose Shaq in that conversation would be, again, because of, of that era for me, which isn't a fair reason to choose somebody. I like the fact that you bring that up because we don't want to be called prisoners of the moment. Like It's so easy to get caught up in what we just watched and then discount everything we've seen in the past, I guess except for when it's the Jordan-LeBron uh, debate, and then the past obviously gets weighted very heavily. But I'd say this, there's no such thing as hack a Jokic. You didn't have an easy way of getting Jokic off the floor. With Shaq, you could just keep fouling him, send him to the free throw line. He couldn't knock those shots down, and suddenly you could neutralize him at least a little bit. Now, Shaq was a much better defender than Jokic, but the fact that there is a hack-a-shack technique that can neutralize how dominant he could be, 
just to an extent, a small extent, it's worth bringing up because it's not like you could pull that off against Jokic. Oh, boy, did the NBA miss. I mean, what could have been a flagrant last night when he elbowed the heck out of Bam? Jokic gets away with a whole lot. That's all I'm saying. We talked about the state of the Western Cup. James, James, (laughs) stop shaking your head at me. I'm not trying to sound like a sore loser. I'm just saying Jokic does get away with a whole lot of contact. We talked about the state of the Western Conference earlier and teams that could take down the Nuggets next year. Four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala was on Greeny earlier today and said he expects the Warriors to be one of those teams. It's going to be an interesting summer already because of one of the key pieces step down Bob Myers. You know, you've got the draft coming up, get a new GM in there. And that's one interesting, but I think, you know, you've got a very competitive group and you can never, ever, ever count out that team with Steve Kerr. Um, it's just, you know, trying to tinker around how do you, you make it all work and, and bring the group back and, and see how many more swings you can take at it. just want to say that Jokic gets beat up more. Oh, please, beat up. Is, but beat mind. up. All right. The Joe. man flies across oh, a half God. court when Kyle Lowry oh. breathes on him. He's seven feet terrible. tall. Like what a thousand pounds. Nobody believes Jokic is getting beat up. <sighs> By whom? Everybody on the heat was half his size. All right, Joe. Do you expect the Warriors to be legit contenders next season, or did the dynasty end with their loss to LeBron and the Lakers in the playoffs this year? So there's two ways to answer that where I could kind of just use the wording. I, I don't I think the dynasty's over, but I also do still think they're contenders, right? So I don't think you want me dancing around it like that. Anytime Steph Curry's on your team, you're a contender. But I think Bob Myers stepped down for a variety of reasons. And I think one of them is he sees the writing on the wall, right? That team's not getting any younger. It's going to be harder and harder to surround Steph with solid talent. Draymond's a free agent. What are you going to do? Clay's not the same guy we remember pre all the injuries. And some of the draft picks the last few years, Wiseman was a disaster. They traded him away. Kaminga and Moody aren't really coming around the way they had hoped. Jordan Poole had a disastrous situation. It doesn't look that good from a personnel standpoint. So they're a playoff team, but I don't know if they're a serious threat as a playoff team. They have a good coach and they have Steph Curry. And those two things still exist. So I won't completely count them out. But everything else Joe just said is on point. I think the dynasty is far from over. They would have to do some serious retooling, I think, around Steph Curry. We'll see if they can do it. But I would imagine it is absolutely a reason that Bob Myers stepped down. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, we aren't stepping down, not yet. We are opening up the phone lines to you. Triple eight, say ESPN. We love when you join the conversation. Jokic or Shaq? What about the Nuggets? Is this going to be a repeat in the next few years? Are they going to be now the automatic contenders every year in the West? What do you see as a future for the Miami Heat? Whatever you want to discuss. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. The phone lines are open here on Joe and Amber. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Phone lines are open here on Joe and Amber. If you want to join the conversation, triple eight say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. We will begin to your phone calls in just a moment. Golden Knights scored; they are up now. Scored shorthanded; they are up one goal to nothing over the Florida Panthers. I got, a, game I got five. An, I got an update on your update. Uh, it's two nothing Golden Knights now. So. Oh goodness! That, now it's two nothing. Florida- I'm refreshing too every second. I don't have the game on in front of me, but I'm refreshing. It hasn't even come through yet. Now it's two nothing Golden Knights. This is going. This is going about as well for South Florida 
as last night went for South Florida. So this that, is no happy times for my That Florida oh. power play unit has been atrocious Trash. in the series. Trash. The Vegas the Vegas penalty kill was average at best. So Florida bad. hasn't scored a single power play goal in the entire series and they just gave up another shorthanded goal to start the game to go down one nothing, now down two nothing. Unbelievable. Things but still another great good. season from them. I mean, they were down 3-1 against the Bruins in the opening round. I know, but nobody to wants to. Right, and they did, and they came all the way back. It took them OT to do it. I, nobody wants to hear that, though, right? I mean, it's even like with the Heat. Like, I didn't really want to have the conversation about, like, oh, great season. But people were doing that all over Heat Twitter immediately after the game. And I get it. It was a hell of a season and an unexpected run. And the Heat deserve all the credit for it. But just in the immediacy of the loss, I just wasn't ready to have that feel good, you know, happy loser conversation yet. I feel similarly right now about the Florida Panthers. Okay. So, and the game's not even over. We'll see what the Florida can do. You just mentioned it. They did it against the Boston Bruins. Miracles can happen. Let's play some caller roulette. 13 black odd. No winner. Spin the wheel. Make a deal. It's a game of chance. Let's play. Call a roulette with Joe and Amber. In an NBA Finals and a Stanley Cup Finals, and to not get a championship out of either of those, so unbelievably disappointed. But hey, we got messy, so there's that. Let's spin the wheel. Brad, Brad is in the Bay Area. Hey, Brad, thanks for the call. Go ahead. Hey, so thanks for taking my call. I was I was listening to you guys on my way home, and uh, you know, kind of. Uh, and I got into this uh, Jokic versus Shaq. I, I am of that Jokic is Jokic and Shaq's Shaq. I don't want to ruin Jokic as a comparison. I think I felt he was super versatile in his own way. And Shaq's doing his did his thing in his own way. So I really feel like when someone compares those two, it's kind of like weird. Um, because I think they their games were different. And the style of the game this decade is totally different from the 99 time where you know yeah brad that is that is a fair and- criticism i mean the hacky thing that we do here on sports radio is compare all of these guys across eras and joe that always drives me crazy about it too because the reality is that greatness can exist in multiple eras both of those guys were great they have different skill sets Shaq certainly defensively gets the edge Jokic skill-wise and what he does offensively. I mean, it's a new age version of a center, though. We didn't see those guys do those things in Shaq's day. It's also very, it's, I don't want to use the word like discriminatory, but it's not really fair to the older generations to stack them up against the new guys who get to load manage. They deal with better technology, better research in terms of how to exercise, how to rest, how to get sleep, how to take care of their bodies. Like right now you have an incredible amount of resources at your disposal that dudes in the 90s, 80s, 70s, 60s didn't have. They just didn't have that. So things could have been different if those guys were given the same opportunity. And it's not just that. It's also who you see doing it ahead of you, right? Like you see Steph Curry with the three-point shooting, and then you're the little kid growing up at five years old, and all of a sudden that's the shot that you're walking, working on over and over again. You see now Jokic doing what he does at almost seven feet tall. If you're the kind of, you know, maybe a little pudgy, a huge seven-foot-tall kid <laughs> growing up, 
you're seeing that dude and yeah. what he can do skill wise. And you're not going to let them put you in a box at that center position. And you're going to go on the outside and shoot. And you're going to assist. and You're going to do all the things that he does in his game. So there's that advantage as well that you're seeing these guys blaze the path for you and create a whole new way of playing the game. Let's spin it. Robert. Robert is in Virginia. Hey, Robert, thanks for the call. You're on with Joe and Amber. Go ahead. Well, thank you. Um, I tell you what, this Jokic guy, you know, you usually see like replays and a little bit of it, but watching him for a whole game, this guy does so many things well. I think he's by far the best big man in the game today, bar none. And I tell you what, as long as he's healthy, they're going to be a top contender. I mean, this guy, he shoots from the outside. He passes well. He's unselfish. And he's strong as a bull. I mean, he just he gets hit hard and doesn't doesn't face him. So I, I, I couldn't put on him. You know, I, I really I think he and with the with the that Gordon guy and and the, and the guard that shoots so well, that's going to be a really good team next year. Yeah, uh, thanks for the call. The Denver Nuggets certainly aren't going anywhere. Uh, those guys, their core is locked up under contract for quite some time. And they've got a great coach, and now they've got the championship pedigree. When it comes to Jokic, one thing I have seen out of this series, because I do feel like Denver wasn't really getting the respect all season that, frankly, they deserved there as the top seed in the West, Joe. And Jokic, as a dude who had won back-to-back MVPs, it almost felt like he wasn't getting the respect that he deserves. I feel like now every person I hear from says, Jokic is the best player in the game. Certainly the best big man in the game. Most people say best player in the game. I'm sure Giannis isn't loving all of this talk, but that's the reality is I think that he's gotten a lot of respect that he was due with these MVPs that he won. He's getting it now in a season he didn't even win an MVP. Well, this is what happens when people watch. That's the best part. He made it to the biggest stage. People tuned in. They saw how unbelievably dominant he is, and now they kind of realize, all right, This is what happens when you don't watch a whole lot of Nuggets games during the regular season. And no one can be faulted for that. You're not expected to tune into every team every night. But now that you've gotten a good look at this guy, it's great to see the appreciation people have for the skill set he brings to the table. Let's spin it. Terrence, you got 30 seconds, not even. Give it to me, Terrence. Uh, you have my condolences, Pat Riley. He, y'all stole Pat Riley from the Knicks. Uh, I really don't have any sympathy, but you still. Well, have I appreciate my condolences. your condolences, Terrence, because you did originally say Nuggets in four, but now I appreciate we made up after that. After we took a game there in Denver, and I do appreciate you calling in tonight and offering your condolences. I've gotten a lot of condolences here, Joe. Although you've taken issue with that. Yeah, I mean, en- enough's enough. You're all right. You had two teams in the finals this year. You're doing fine. This has been the Joe and Amber podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.